Good morning. Hi. Uh, my, Vicky, my wife, just introduced me. I am Chris Cutton, and I'm one of the pastors here at Asher Vineyards. Thank you so much for trusting us with your Sunday morning and for tuning in. I hope you managed to find us, as unfortunately we've had to divert away from Facebook this morning. But um, yes, we are here with you. And before I start and say what I got prepared this morning, I've just, I just want to share with you a picture that I feel um, God's given me. I, it's... I'm very willing and I love being interrupted by, by what I think God wants to do. And as this morning as I drove here, there was a, uh, a little girl holding, I presume it was her father's hand, uh, just walking down the street and I drove past them. And she was skipping away like the joy, the joy of the world was on her, was with her. She was waving to all the cars that were driving past. And she was, yeah, just like, and occasionally staring up at her dad just to check it's all right. And in that moment, I felt God say to me that this morning there are people, there are women, girls tuning in this morning who that joy has been, um, it's kind of gone from your life. You've, you've, you're not feeling that at the moment. You're not feeling that joyous freedom that comes with knowing a father that loves you so much. And God's saying to you, just reach out my hand, come and grab my hand. And I want to pour that joy over you. I want to fill you with that joy that's been lost. I want to take that away. There's a daddy there who's longing for you to grab your hand and it's safe when you hold his hand and where he's taking you is safe. And as you do that, joy is going to be released in you and you're going to be off skipping down the street like you've never skipped before. So I'm just going to pray that now. If, that, if you're at home and you feel that relates to you, then I just encourage you to maybe stand up, put your hands out in front of you. I just want to pray that over you right now. Father God, for thank you that you are dad, that you're daddy, and that you reach out for us as a loving father reaches out for their children. Help us to be, to be women and, and men that just are so happy to grab your hand and go, yes, I want to walk with dad. I want to go with dad. Wherever he's going, I'm going to go too. And that's an exciting thing. It's a, it's a joyful thing for us to do that. And specifically any women or girls out there who are maybe feeling that they, ha- they aren't filled with that happiness, that, that sense of inner, inner peace and inner, inner kind of um, satisfaction or, or any of that, that as they reach out to take your hand this morning, that you would unlock something in their heart that just releases jubilation in them, happiness in them, joy in them that they be out skipping this afternoon with you, wherever that is. Right now, I pray for a release of all the things that are weighing people down or stopping people accessing that joy. That the presence of a dad would come on their, come on homes and come in hearts right now. Thank you for who you are, Father, that you love us dearly as your children. And keep showing us what it means to walk in that every day, to skip in that every day. Amen. If you want any more prayer about that, then please, um, if you're on church online, then there's a button there. You can click live prayer and we've got people that would love to pray with you. And yeah, uh, God bless you completely this morning as you do that as well. So this morning, um, I'm going to be carrying on a series that Chris has started over the last two weeks calling Prepare for Reentry. As we're coming out, out of lockdown a bit and moving into what our, our new normal looks like. 
We're just exploring some, some, some bits and pieces around that and looking for opportunities for you to, to be your, post, your best post-pandemic self. And Chris has spoken over the last couple of weeks about um, asking the question, born to do what? He asked the question, whose are you, who are you, and what are you born for? What's your purpose? And then last week, he spoke about living with fear and the fact it's around us, but not in us. And then today, I'm going to be talking a bit about diaries and priorities and how we spend our time. And then next, next week, Nick is going to be wrapping it all up with a new rhythm, putting all of this together and yeah, piecing together what our, our post-pandemic you and our best self looks like moving forward. So this morning, I'm going to be looking at diaries and priorities. And I've been considering the phrase, how do I spend my time? And what an interesting phrase that is, is it kind of moves the whole idea of time and our use of it into the realm of what we do with our money. And so do we see time as a, as a commodity like we do money? As we're asked questions, do you have any time to give? Or can you spare me a couple of minutes to fill out my survey, for instance? All of that seems to be relating time to, to our finances. Can you spare me some change? Can you, do you have any money that you can give me that I can borrow from you? Time is one of our most precious commodities. And we all have the same 1,440 minutes each day. Yet how often do those minutes just seem to go away, to disappear? How often do we run out of it so we have no more to give? And unfortunately, all of those minutes in each day can't be added to. We have to be so wise about how we manage and steward our time and use it to bring them most out of it to maximize its potential, just like we might do with investing our finances and our money. What would our lives look like if we saw time as something we can use to help us thrive rather than something just flitting away and disappearing before our eyes? And as I was considering this, it reminded me of a quote from the, the Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it or don't know it, um, as a, Frodo's a hobbit who is um, sent off to, on a, effectively a quest to take the, this ring to, to destroy it. And the time that they're living in is such a dark, difficult time, kind of evil Sauron is taking over. And he asks Gandalf, who's this wise wizard, the question. He says, I wish all of this not need have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that's not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. So I've been given just over 19 million minutes in my life so far. I'll let you figure out how old I am from that. But as I've been preparing this talk, it's made me consider and think, what are the the times, those minutes, those precious minutes that I've wasted? What are the times where I could have been doing something more, more fulfilling or more, more kind of rewarding? But also, it's made me think about the potential of maximizing the next 19 million minutes that I've got in my life. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you going to do 
with the time that God has given you? And how are you going to maximise those minutes? Hopefully you should be seeing a, a picture in a second of the butterfly. This is the painted lady butterfly. They live 12 months from the moment they're born as an egg to, being, to going through their metamorphosis and coming out as a butterfly. And the incredible things about this butterfly is that within the stage that they're a butterfly, they, they undertake a migration. Over the course of six generations, these butterflies fly from Africa to the Arctic Circle, which is a 9,000-mile round trip. So the butterfly that sets out on that migration journey is the great-great-great-great-grandparent of the butterfly that reaches its destination. That butterfly just keeps going. It keeps moving and breeding to the next place, all to, as it's drawn towards the best, the best location for it to breed in the next breeding ground. And each butterfly has to reach that next space to be able to breed in the right way so that the next one can fulfill and carry on that journey and that migration. Each generation of that butterfly has to maximise its potential to enable the future generations to fulfil that role. It has to use that window it's given to achieve what it, it can to maximise it, to give the, the future generations that opportunity. It's a long-term investment. And when I was on a whereby call with someone last week, and as, as I'm sure most of us are used to now with video calls, you see the people and the camera in front of you, and occasionally their glance gets diverted elsewhere. And in this case, um, the people I was on the call with, their glance got diverted upwards. At a, um, I was like, what's going on? And a butterfly had flown into their, uh, their lounge. And it struck me in that moment as they, were, they spent time ushering it out and getting it out. And that butterfly, I can imagine it kind of flying into the window, trying to get out again or into the curtain pole or, or any of that, as it was trying to get out from where it had gone into. And it, was in, it struck me that that butterfly, which technically only has that 12-month life, was wasting so much of its time flying at this curtain, flying at the, at the window, trying to get out. It got drawn in due to light, heat, whatever it was but it couldn't get out again and it was wasting its time. It wasn't fulfilling the potential as it was doing that. It wasn't fulfilling its purpose. And how often do we end up being those people that are banging against the window or flying against the curtain pole, just getting drawn in and stuck where we're at? I think over lockdown that's been particularly prevalent and interesting. And I know I found myself getting caught in, oh, I'll just watch another episode of that TV show on Netflix. Or I'll just check my BBC News feed again. I'll just have another look at Facebook. And it's those things that we get caught in, and I'm not saying they're bad things at all. That butterfly was going after the heat or the light or something in that route. But it just gets stuck in that place and can't get out again. And there's a, a book in the Old Testament we don't often refer to it very much. Um, it's written by, um, uh, uh, thought to be written by Solomon, who is the son of King David, um, who killed Goliath. And Solomon, when asked by, 
where God had told you can have anything, he asked for wisdom and the wisdom of God to help him um, as king. And he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes, which is in the Old Testament. So if you open up in the middle somewhere, you'll get, probably get to about Psalms. And then if you go beyond that, Ecclesiastes will be there somewhere. But um, without going into loads of detail, this book is really, it's, it's almost very poetic, quite philosophical. As Solomon explores the, the role of humans in the world and then works towards that relationship of them with God and how that works. And in chapter three of that book, he writes about time. And he says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a, heal. a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. And he goes on and on with these different opposing things that we could be spending time on. But then a few verses later, he comes to the conclusion. What do workers actually gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. In the commentaries I read about this passage, they talk about it very much talking about the futility of bouncing from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. There's time for all of these things in our life. But do we see how we're spending our time and all of these things, the times we're planting, uprooting, the times we're birthing things, the times we're laughing, the times we're crying, the times we're mourning, do we see all of those things from an eternal perspective? And as we're bouncing at the window, bouncing from one thing to the next, are we maximizing the potential of that? Are we putting the things in place to help us get the best from the minutes that we have? Do you want to be that person who just keeps bouncing from one thing to the next, bouncing at the window like that butterfly? Or do you want to be the person who maximizes the potential of the time you have? Now, I've come up with three ways that I think we can choose to invest our time and prioritize our time that I think will help us to maximize the potential in it. And in all of this, I'm speaking to myself as much as you guys as well. Number one is invest more time in your relationship with God. Father God loves it when we stop and take time out with him. Jesus did it regularly. He took himself off alone just to spend time with his dad. It's in those moments with God that we spend time with God that we cultivate a relationship with him. If Vic and I didn't have any time together, just the two of us, and filled our diaries with everything else, our relationship wouldn't grow stronger. We wouldn't get to know each other better. We wouldn't maximize the potential of our relationship. And that's the same with Father God. So how can you do this? Well, there are a number of resources available out there. It's, it's not just about that time sitting quietly with God. It's finding out more about him. There are resources, podcasts, 
talks, books about him, just spending time with him, looking for him as you go out about your day. Putting time in the diary to actually prioritize your relationship with him. And there's actually a, get a Staying Connected site on our website that I'd recommend you go and have a look. There's a whole host of resources in there. All kinds of things that will help you access or help you focus on God to find out more about who he is. I read something this week that's really challenged me to do with this, actually. And um, it was basically talking about how much time we spend reading the Bible. Now, the Bible is a beautiful book. It's an, a book that's alive and speaks to us. And God speaks, God speaks through it as we read it and as I read it. And if you were to read Genesis to Revelation at the speed of, say, um, someone who was reading it out loud on the recordings you get, like on the Holy Bible app, it would take 71 hours to read the whole Bible. Now, if you broke that down into minutes and divided it into one year, that's 12 minutes a day. And you could read the Bible from cover to cover. I'm not saying you, you have to do this or you need to do this, but to read all of this, it's 12 minutes a day. Are you able to spare 12 minutes from your 1,440 that you have in the day? Um, I'm not saying I'm amazing at this at all. I love reading the Bible, but it's not something that's in my diary every day. And I'm not saying you have to do these things. It's not a sense of duty or a sense of I must, because then it won't happen. But just a sense of getting to know God more. And he'll show you through the Bible who he is and what he's like. What about one less episode of that Netflix series? One less flick, scroll down the Facebook or Instagram feed. It's about building those habits into, into our life and prioritizing. And if you need to get your diary and write in that time, then do that. What would it look like if we chose to spend more time investing in our relationship with God? Number two, we need to invest more time in people than things. Some Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time of Jesus, came up to him to ask, what's the greatest commandment? And he replied, Jesus replied to them, I'm summarizing this, but love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what does this look like in terms of how we spend our time? You can find that in Matthew 22, which is in the Gospels, the stories about Jesus' life, if you want to. Hopefully the verse will come up in the comments. But if we're investing time in our relationship with God, we need to invest time in loving our neighbor as well. Do you have margins in your life to be interruptible by people? By your neighbors, by your work colleagues, by the person you pass in the street who just looks a bit down, who looks like they might need some kind of positive word or compliment or something like that. I remember, well, this story stuck with me in a, uh, within my kind of, uh, in my past. We, um, uh, one year, uh, we were going up to London. We, Vicky and I lived in Reading at the time. And she was already in London doing some shopping, and we were meeting some family for a meal. And I had to finish work and then come up on the train afterwards. And I got the train from Reading, which goes to Paddington Station, and I thought, Do you know what, I've got a bit of time. I'm going to walk from Paddington to Trafalgar Square. 
Now, I love going on random walks, and I'll happily spend time doing that. It's about an hour, I think, but maybe a bit less. But I passed through Hyde Park, where the, the Winter Wonderland was going on. It was Christmas time. And I remember it so well. There was a guy just sat on the... There was a long kind of pathway through Hyde Park to the entrance to this Winter Wonderland. And there was this guy just sat on the side of the path. No one talking to him. No one engaging with him. Really scruffy clothes. Looking, obviously, a homeless guy. I was just completely drawn to him. And I ended up, to cut a long story short, um, sitting with him. I went and got him some food from the Winter Wonderland. And I sat, I had half an hour. And I sat and chatted with him. And he cried. He said, no one out of everyone passing by has stopped to talk to me. And it was in that moment that I was able to just be interruptible, to stop and look and see him. And he had been seen. So what does it look like in your diary, in your file of facts, whatever you have, your online calendar, to add those margins in, to set off to arrive somewhere 10 minutes earlier? Or to, to leave somewhere with the leaving more time than you need to, to get somewhere, to build those margins into your life? What does it look like if we invest time in loving our neighbour as ourselves? And the third thing is... We need to invest our time in the things that re-energize us and make us come alive. Who are the people that feed you? What are the activities that feed you? It's about us taking time to recognize where we find the stuff that nourishes us. I absolutely love KFC. Other fast foods are available. But I know that KFC is not going to give me all of the nutrients I need. If I eat KFC all the time, um, it's not going to be a healthy thing for me, I don't think. Yeah, sorry for the realisation out there. I think it's the same with McDonald's as well, but... It's not this stuff that feeds me. It's, it's the good, nutrient, nutritious stuff, and I need to recognise where I'm going to find those. For me, it's time alone. Having time to dream, loving, walking in the, in the open countryside, a bit like I did in London, just that wasn't the open countryside, but walking... Just spending time with God, taking in the world around me. I love the wide downs and just going up there and spending time walking and just admiring the view. So where is the place that you find your rest? Who are the people that energize you and that make you come alive? And why don't you look at your diaries and start putting time in to invest in those things? Even if it's just to find out what that is for you. God's drawing you into something magnificent and wants to give you life. He wants to put people in your life that give you life. And getting those people around you who can talk life into situations is really important and key in investing our time and making the most of it. Every minute of your day is a precious gift from God all 1,440 minutes, or however many million minutes you've got left in your life. And he will direct your every step as you spend time with him, spend time investing in other people around you, and spend time doing things that re-energize you. I, I just want to challenge you and encourage you this week, have a look at your diaries, start planning those things in. As, as our diaries are filling up again, make sure there's spaces there 
to be investing in these things. And therefore, you'll maximize the potential and not be like the butterfly getting stuck in that room, but building something and achieving something that future generations, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren can build on. It's about investing in the long, the long haul with this, as well as investing in yourself. God loves you so much and just wants the best for you. I'm just going to pray for us as we finish, but thank you so much for trusting us with your Sunday morning. Father, thank you that you give us the opportunity to, that you give us time. You've put us on this earth for this time, for such a time as this. And would you inspire each of us to keep our eyes turned on you, that we can see those situations, those places, those people, that we can invest time in, that we can see the opportunity in and maximize the potential in. Keep our eyes, our ears, and our hearts open to what you're doing, because we want to walk with you completely focused on you. Thank you for loving us unconditionally. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.